Welcome to Lynn Cullen Live, talk radio without the static. Email your questions and comments to lynn at pghcitypaper.com. And now your host, Lynn Cullen. Hello, hello, hello. Welcome to the show. It's uh, Monday. That <coughs> could explain my, my general malaise. It's Monday, the 22nd of January, uh, the year of uh, your Lord, 2018. Okay, we got that out of the way. I got to tell you, it was killing me. I was somewhere like around, I don't know, Nowhereville, Ohio, when so many of you were in the streets here yesterday. And gosh, my heart was with you. I was I was thinking about you. I was looking at the time. I was imagining. And then, my gosh, Mary sent me pictures. And wow, wow. I must say, I I was fearful <laughs> that, you know, a year later, it's hard to get people to get up and do it. And... uh you guys turned out uh, just amazing. I think there was, um, I, I know, because I got an email from somebody on Friday, uh, very nervous about um, when, what day the march was. Because so many of these marches happened on Saturday, and Pittsburgh's was on Sunday. And I know a lot of people who thought, something's wrong, something's wrong, our march isn't on the right place. I'm not quite sure why we did Sunday instead of Saturday when... Most people seem to have done it, but it doesn't matter. It did not keep those thousands and thousands of people. It appeared to be even bigger than the march last year. And I was at that one, and that one blew me away. You know what the wonderful thing about these marches? People say, oh, what do they do? I'll tell you what they do. They energize the marchers. <laughs> there is, that is a powerful force that you are part of, that you see in the streets, that you're surrounded by. And uh, heading into this special congressional election coming up uh, March 13th, heading into the uh, November elections, if these women can hold their, uh, their passion for a year, you can dang well bet you they're holding it until March 13th and November. And you can darn well bet you that a large percentage of those marchers are not only people who will make sure to vote, they are people who will do much more. They are activists. They will knock on doors. They will register people. They will get people to the polls. And so that force you saw in the streets here, in the streets in cities all over the country over the weekend, should give many of us um, reason for hope. I think. I really, really do. And, and I just tip my little pink hat to all of you who, who took the time, made the effort, and, uh, and showed up. Just wonderful. Wish I'd been with you. But 
Incredible. You know, it was pointed out to me. Remember the tea party? That wasn't all that long ago. What was the tea party? About 15 years ago? It was prior to, was it during Obama's first years or prior to Obama? Prior to Obama. Huh? 2010 is when the... Okay, I have numbers, dates, faces, and names. Nothing. Make no impression. Okay. But the Tea Party, do you remember... I'm just asking. This I remember. I remember the coverage of the Tea Party. Every time a group of them, as few as 20, got together somewhere... The cameras were all over the place. The coverage was incredible. And I just have to say that um, the coverage of this obviously historic and strong, it is historic, the, the uh, number of people in the streets, not only the day after the inauguration, but this weekend. It's bigger than any damn Tea Party rally ever was. Ever. Doesn't even come close. And remember how media covered that, the Tea Party. Remember? Well, I'm looking around. I'm wondering, where is the media's awe, awe, at all the women in the streets. Very muted. Extremely muted. Now, you can say it's because the shutdown knocked them off the, the front page. or But I, I don't think it is that. I think we've learned enough now to know that the problem with coverage was it was women. And media is run by men, mostly. It was women, women in pink hats with cute little signs. I just, uh uh-uh. They can continue to discount us. But women will be, if there will be, a salvation of this country. It is women who will lead it. After all, what do women do so well? They clean up messes that men make, right? Yeah. So in regard to the shutdown... I have to admit my honest reaction is I don't give a shit. That I did that that is where my head is. Uh which is why I'm not going to be here in February. <laughs> I've lost I've lost my ability to react. Um I cannot tolerate the coverage of it. The the maneuvering to uh own the the um, optics 
it, none of it has anything to do. I mean, the fact that we're supposed to sit there and listen to people speak blather and crap. I, I can't. It's like it's one of those uh, news stories where I just want somebody to wake me up when it's over, okay? Because I am not going to be able to follow the back and forth of it. I'm I'm I don't have the uh, the energy. Barbara is telling me that they estimated thirty thousand people yesterday here. Wow, that's amazing. That is much bigger. I I have no ability to do uh, crowd estimates. And I don't think I'm alone in that either when you see the incredible variability of estimates of crowd size. But, um, wow, 30,000. It's just fantastic. Thank you all who marched. Thank you all so much. I tip my hat to, uh, oh, dear. Who's the woman we had on? Baton. What's what's her first name? I, Tracy, I'm sorry, Justin. Uh, Tracy Baton, who was uh, an organizer uh, for the march. Uh, Tracy was quoted, by the way, today in the Wall Street Journal uh, in their story about uh, the march, marches yesterday. And uh, they quoted her and uh, focused a bit on Pittsburgh, which I found uh, wonderful. And again, I'll tip my little pink hat to Tracy. And all the other women who really did the hard work. Thank you all. And thank anybody for getting the word out. Right? We have a call. Hello, caller. Hello, Lynn. Hi. Hi, it's Susie from Swissound Park. Were you at the march? Uh, oh, yes, I was. I'm, I'm the PR person for the march. Oh, and, Susie, uh, I'm sorry. <laughs> sorry. <yeah>. Excuse me. <laughs> Yeah, I had I had to turn down my computer for a second there. Yes. Um, but I, w- I wanted to let you know that uh, yes, we had five thousand more marchers than last year. Wow. Um, and uh, so yes, we did have about thirty thousand marchers this year, and uh, the we we come in number three only next to Steelers and Penguin celebrations. For largest march in Pittsburgh, that is incredible. Can you believe that? Isn't that wonderful? Boy, I really, uh, I, Susie, I tip my hat to you and all you other uh, women who got this together. Did you see that Tracy was um, quoted in the Wall Street Journal today? No, I didn't. I got my Wall Street Journal, and I haven't ripped open the bag yet. So um, I will, I will grab that, and I will make sure that she sees that. Good, good. Thank you. Um, I'm. I, I just love Tracy. Uh, I have known her since she was a little kid. She was uh, my brother's best friend. Which, and when I reconnected with her, um, you know, many years later, I was just thrilled to pieces. Um, so impressed with her. Well, yeah, she is. Her. Yeah, she's clearly a force. And uh, yeah, as are you. I mean, women who just pick it up and do it. I mean, I. 
you know, a lot of us talk <laughs> and uh, moan and groan, but actually doing the hard work. Uh, God bless you. So that was amazing. Amazing. It was amazing. We had some phenomenal speakers. We had um, uh, William Anderson, who was amazing, from Fair Districts, PA. We had um, Alyssa Grishman from Access Mob, Pittsburgh, who um, Access Mob is an organization that helps uh, people with disabilities vote. Uh, she's in a wheelchair, and there's actually video of her at a protest. The police actually kicked her out of her wheelchair, of all things, while she was trying to protest. Um, that was crazy. Uh, we had Jill Helbling from Tuesdays with Toomey. Um, we had uh, Mikey Reed, Mikey Reedy who was with Mondays with um, What's his Mondays name? With Murphy. Yeah, how quickly we forget. What was his yeah. name? Yeah, really, what was his name? Yeah. Gosh, I used to work with him at Mercy Hospital when I was a TV producer there, and he was a doctor. And nobody wanted to work with him, even the nurses and the doctors. Nobody wanted to work with him. That was a really interesting situation. And then before we actually started marching... We had a lot of uh, politicians who were running for office uh, speak to the crowd um, about, you know, what they felt about what we were doing. Mm -hmm. uh, we had John Fetterman and Beth Terezi, and uh, we had um, Summer Lee, just some great people out there talking. I wonder why Connor Lamb uh, didn't show. Connor Lamb was out of town. Okay. Connor Lamb was in a different part of um, the district. I see. I think. And committed to that. Okay. But we had a <coughs> ton of his representatives mm -hmm. marching. Um, well, I'm so what? what's next? Um, I mean, you indefatigable women. What's next? I mean... Uh, other than marches, is it what what is expected to? Uh, is there any organization going on for this uh, upcoming uh, special election that you're involved well, in? Well, um, we're we're trying. Basically, this march was to make sure that we teach people how to be registrars and get everybody registered to vote okay um and then get everybody you know what i have to say this you know how many registered voters there are there's a gazillion registered voters but they don't vote so right registration is, yeah polls. registration is uh yes it's definitely the first step but then you got to get them out that's yeah, we have happens. to convince people that, that voting is is what makes us uh, what what makes us a democracy and what um, what really gets the right people in there that help us uh, right. right 
you know, get the get the right people to get us the health care that we need, get us the the you know the looking at the right uh, you know not have issues that the current president has brought out so much these horrible racial issues. Um, we have to vote. We yeah. have to vote. Well, we have that's, to tell that's, people yeah. that they have to do it. Right, right. That's where, it, and not only have to, you got to get, we got to get them there. And I'm right now saying, I mean, I got a car and I'm available. I, we just need to organize so that anybody who has trouble getting there uh, will get them there, come hell or and that's high a, that's water. That's a big deal. That is a big deal, getting people to You to bet the it is. And also telling people that they can get uh, absentee ballots and all and of that. very easy to do. That Exactly. It's very easy to that's do the work for an absentee ballot. Right. That's the work that has to be done now. Um, right. And so also it, tell people, you know, if you're a convicted felon and you you're can vote. in prison, you yeah. can still vote. You can vote. You can vote. And Pencil is one of the few progressive things in this state. And I, when I asked, how did we do that? We didn't, of course. It came from the judiciary here, not from the right. legislature. There's no other way right. that would have happened. So, Susie, and then something else that, that people need to understand is if you register as an independent and you're in a city like Pittsburgh where just about all elections are settled in a primary, you registering as an independent is not going to allow you to vote in that primary because we have closed primaries. Yes, and it, di- it essentially disenfranchises you. It disenfranchises um, a lot of voters. I think everybody, so I, when I moved here, yeah, when I moved here, I, I, was, I was stunned by that because, first of all, I came from an open primary state where you could register for what yeah. you really were and then go vote. But uh, when I, so I hadn't registered as a Democrat, and when I found in the first primary race here that I couldn't vote, I thought, what the... And change my registration to Democrat so that I could have a, a voice um, in the city yeah. in which I lived. So that, you know, uh, that just makes sense uh, to me. Yeah. Okay. Hey, Susie, thank you so much. Take a day sure. off. Sure. Put your feet oh, up. Oh, believe me. Tomorrow, <laughs> I, I'm also I'm also a, a poll worker trainer for the county. And oh. they called me into service uh, to work in the special election tomorrow. So I'm going to be a judge in McKeesport tomorrow for that special election. For God's sake. <laughs> All right. So if you're in McKeesport, do you know you have a special election? Okay. Just saying. Yeah, I hope they do. I hope they do, yeah. too. But I'm going to be working in a little church with Ashley, Judy, and Jeffrey. Okay. And well, listen. I can't I, wait to meet them. I just want to tell you. Thank you. You are the uh, oh. you're the poster uh, of uh, of a committed citizen, a good citizen of the United yeah, States. Yeah, now all I need is a real job. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Well. <laughs> I want to keep my house. <laughs> okay. Well, let's get some Democrats in office, and maybe then we can get jobs too. Thank you. Okay. Thank you. Sure. Thank you. Bye. Take care. Goodbye. Bye. Bye. Yeah, Gigi says it was a beautiful day. We had a wonderful march full of diversity. It was it was in su- it was on Sunday because there was a conflicting event on Saturday. Oh, okay. And Lou wants to remind us that there is another special election. 
who knew? I didn't know this about McKeesport today. But uh, there is a special election um, in Pittsburgh's East End the week before the uh, congressional special election. So there's a special election on March 6th for those of you who live in the East End district that was um, uh, represented by Dan Gilman, who has now become uh, the mayor's chief of staff. And so this is an election to fill his seat. That's much of Squirrel Hill, a little teeny bit of Point Breeze and Shadyside. Yes. Shadyside. And yes, that's right. Yeah. And, um, you know, an election like that, which is there's nothing on the ballot except that, it could well be that a two people will decide the election. I mean, you know, it is going to be, there's, uh, what, four people running, three Democrats and one Republican, and it, it could well be that only a 1,000 people, let's say, will vote. That's a pretty, uh, I would say that district is filled with politically uh, active people. So for a special council election, it'll probably be a pretty high turnout but who knows who knows and it's it's important you got a first timer Sonia Finn who um, owns the uh, restaurant uh, Dinette that Anthony Bourdain uh, interviewed during his uh, special <laughs> and uh, there is uh, I forget Strasburger's first name Erica that's right Erica Strasburger who was Gilman's chief of staff, and uh, she has been endorsed by both Gilman and Mayor Peduto. Um, and then you've got an in uh, an independent, Marty Healy, and then there is a Republican who just threw his hat in the ring with a such a Republican name. I mean, it's a name like what the hell, like Renly Remnick or something. Is that it? Oh, Rennick Remley. Remley. Rennick Remley. And even he could win if he gets enough of his Republican buddies to to come out. Can you imagine a Republican on Pittsburgh City Council? It could happen. It could happen. Okay. So mark that on your calendar, guys. Because most people, I mean, obviously for most of you, that's not an election you got to do, nor is the 13th in, uh, for the congressional special. Okay. Uh, where am I? What's happening? Uh, I loved this piece in the New York Times yesterday, and I just have to share it with you. Uh, this is a piece written by a professor of history at Princeton who specializes in, I guess, uh, well, presidential history. And he said, well, the headline is, they were bad, he may be worse. Oh, I have little doubt. It's who will Trump finally unseat Pennsylvania's only native son president, Buchanan, as the worst president the United States has ever suffered. 
I mean, it's weird, you know, Ohio has elected God knows how many presidents that call Ohio home. Pennsylvania, which is, I mean, my God, it's where they, Philly, and we never elected a president. Except one. And he was a disaster, James Buchanan. And was he even elected? Yeah, he was elected. He didn't. Yeah. So this guy is writing about presidents and um, <laughs> and the ones that are generally considered the worst. Obviously, the, this changes as history goes on. Sometimes somebody is judged to be a horrible, horrible, horrible president, and then in retrospect, they they move up in um, esteem. But ain't nothing moved James Buchanan anywhere. And uh, joining him in the list of what's generally considered the three worst presidents, hands down, is James Buchanan, Andrew Johnson, and Franklin Pierce. And uh, frankly, I hate to tell you this for some of you who voted for him, but George W. Bush has made the cut too. Uh, so those four generally believed to be uh, the worst presidents of the United States. And this article about these guys and what they did or didn't do is just, it's, it's amazing. But the thing that blew me away was, uh, was Warren Harding, who I always thought, you know, he's, he's in the mix. Stop it. He's in the mix. Uh, Warren Harding, you know, the good-looking womanizing Ohio boy, right? That was one of the ones Ohio gave us, Warren Harding. And, uh, but listen to this. Who knew? Warren Harding did some really good stuff, too. Warren Harding, in his first year, I hope you guys like history as much as me, because if you don't, well, you're not even listening anymore. Okay. In uh, in Harding's first year, uh, he signed the Federal Highway Act. Now, this is 1921. There was no interstate highway system, and in fact, that didn't really start happening until the 50s with Eisenhower, right? I hope I know my history. Right, right. But the Federal Highway Act invested millions and millions of dollars in the first the first steps toward uh creating roadways that these newfangled automobiles could uh could maneuver on and that in retrospect was a very good move also Listen to this. This blows me away and makes me feel uh, differently about Warren Harding. Warren Harding showed up at some event in Birmingham, Alabama, in the first year of his presidency. And as he stood before the crowd, surely he noticed that all the white people were right there and the black people were all over there. So it was a segregated crowd in Birmingham, Alabama, 
that Warren Harding is speaking at. And while he's there, he called it out. And he said, he came out and said, black people, I don't know if he said blacks, he might have said Negroes, I don't know what he was, he said, black people must have equal political rights. Otherwise, and here's the direct quote from, he, from Harding, he said, otherwise, our democracy is a lie. Well, that's pretty, I got to tell you, 1921, that's pretty strong language from a president in the South facing a segregated crowd and saying, you know, hey guys, the United States of America, the great democracy, it's a lie if this keeps up. If segregation, if, you know, he was vague, I guess, about what he was saying, but my God, I never knew he did that. Thank you. Then, here's also, this is mind-blowing. Two months after he calls out segregation in Birmingham, Alabama, Warren Harding pardons the socialist Eugene Debs. Debs was in prison <clears throat> for speaking out against World War I. President Harding not only pardons Eugene Debs, which would not have been a, a very popular thing, I would imagine, but he invites him to the White Hey, Gene, when you get out, come, come see me in the White House. By the way, uh, a little addendum to that is Eugene Debs had run against Harding on the socialist ticket while in prison. I think that's pretty cool. So I didn't know that about Harding. All I knew is he was stooping uh, women in the closets in the White House long before Bill Clinton and uh and having his buddies cronies over for you know playing poker and like he was he was just a he was a fun guy Warren G Harding uh okay so uh and he was very popular apparently he died of a heart attack uh probably stooping some babe in a closet is that possible no no okay all right Sorry, I find the past so much more tolerable right now than the present. <laughs> I think we'll start calling this hour History with Lynn because I, I'd rather, I, I have a hard time being in the present, as they say. And looking toward this unknown future. The past, at least, is there and um, available for, uh, well, maybe for learning something from, <laughs> right? So indulge me, if you will, because I would like to uh, give you a little bit more of this uh, history.
Oh, I didn't know you were. I'm sorry, Stephen here is sending me information left and right, and I could I didn't see that you were. Sorry. <laughs> A lot of good it does you to be working so hard over there. Uh, okay. Okay, here are the number of states who have the state with a... Stop it! All of these things going on. Stop it! Alexa, shut up! Okay. Uh, the state with the most presidents. Virginia. I could name a few, but that'd be it. Uh, the state with the next, Ohio. So Virginia has given rise to eight presidents of the United States. Ohio, seven. New York, five. Massachusetts, four. Oh, God, I was looking. And, and there's a whole bunch that only have one, which includes us. And for a big eastern state, that really is um, amazing. We should have more, <laughs> I would think. Uh, I don't know. Maybe Pennsylvania politics always were sort of revolting. And so no one could rise to that level. Uh, I'm looking at the ones with the states that uh, have, have had a president. And I saw Hawaii. And I thought, Hawaii? Hawaii. We've had a Hawaiian president that I swear that flitted across my head for one split second before I realized it was Barack Obama. Um, but yeah, there you have it. Big state like California's only had one. Texas has had two, and we know. Oh no, wait, Texas. I would say both Bushes and Lyndon Johnson, but Bush Sr. was considered uh, Maine or Connecticut. What the hell? Where? Oh, who cares? All right, all right. You'll you'll look that up too. Um. A little more history. So George H. W. Bush was considered to be, because he was born. Oh, it's where they were born. So he was born in Massachusetts. Okay, but, all right. The worst person who might have held the office. I mean, Buchanan, our guy, seems like just a hapless nitwit. Um, Andrew Johnson, who became the president upon the assassination of the great Abraham Lincoln, was as small a creepy little hateful man as Lincoln was a towering, magnificent human being. And in fact, Lincoln hated his guts. He was Lincoln's vice president. And Lincoln never had, never spoke to him, didn't want him anywhere near the White House. And part of the reason is because Johnson showed up 
at the inauguration, drunk as a skunk. He was not only falling down drunk when he took the oath of office, but he was screaming and yelling. I mean, did you know that? Andrew Johnson. Yes, ladies and gentlemen. Lincoln was so... So unbelievably aghast and startled and everything. He said, I don't want that guy anywhere. Just keep him away from me. So that's... Anyway, so, you know, Lincoln gets assassinated. Johnson uh, becomes the uh, president. The Civil War is ending. And what does he do? I mean, Johnson is a dyed-in-the-wool racist. (laughs) He is... He's for the Confederacy even if he's the president of the Union. His first year in office, he vetoed the Civil Rights Bill. That bill was intended to give former slaves full citizenship, which certainly would have passed and be signed by President Abraham Lincoln. But Johnson vetoed it after we fought a war. (laughs) The good news is, is both houses of the Congress then overrode his veto. And frankly, the wheel started turning to get him the hell out. So he was impeached in 1868. This um, this presidential historian says this about our current president. What do all these bad presidents' first years tell us about Trump? Well, some of these very bad presidents performed reasonably well at first, only to slide into disaster later. Might Mr. Trump grow in the job? Making us forget his rookie season? (laughs) Uh, Or should we expect more of the same? Well, the presidential historian, you will be glad to know, says, expect more of the same. He says this, Trump's first year, he says Mr. Trump, I can't do it. Trump's first year has been an unremitting parade of disgraces that have demeaned him and demeaned the dignity of his office. Most important, he is the first president to fail to defend the nation from an attack. An attack on our democracy by a hostile foreign power. And then to actually resist the investigation of the attack. He is the first to enrich himself and his family because of his position. And to do so directly 
and openly. He is the first president to denounce the press. This guy is not kidding. He's a historian. He is saying no president has ever, all the 44 who came before him, see 45? All the presidents who came before him, none have ever done these specific things. None have had an unremitting parade of disgraces that demean not only the president himself, but the office he holds, and you could argue then the country. Never has a president, all these horrible presidents we're talking about, None of them have ever comported themselves, even the drunken Andrew Johnson. Trump makes him look good. He is the first president to ever denounce a free press, not simply as being unfair, because presidents certainly have done that, but as being the enemy of the American people. He is the first to threaten his defeated political opponent with imprisonment. These are all things that were would be unheard of. And again, these are just, it's a day-to-day thing with this guy. He is the first to have denigrated friendly countries and allies as well as an entire continent with racist vulgarities. George Washington, our first president, warned that the actions taken by a president, quote, may have great and durable consequences from their having been established at the commencement of a new general government. What he's saying that first year, Washington is saying, that first year is really important. You do not want to mess up because that will set the tone and maybe even create a norm or a loosening of or a lowering of. Well, God knows he's done that. The presidential historian here says, uh, if history is any guide, especially in light of the examples that are closest to Trump, and that would be Buchanan's presidency and Johnson, Andrew Johnson's presidency, Trump's first year portends a very unhappy ending. Tell us something we don't know. Little Tony says, Lynn, over the weekend, Bill Maher had Michael Wolf on the show. Well, I'll have to check that out. He insinuated that there might be some present day... Oh, you said stooping. (laughs) Stooping. He's stooping in closets at the White House. Oh, I did read that. He said he couldn't prove it, right? 
he didn't have enough proof, but he sort of had a feeling Trump was engaged in an affair. You know who I'll tell you who it is, I bet? Because she's a babe and very close to him. Hope Hicks. Hope Hicks. That's my guess. Anyway, Lou says, the reason there's only one... What? Clarification about the election. The reason there is only one Democrat is that this is not a primary. What? No, 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 no. Oh, you're talking about the um, the city council special election. Uh, Sonia Finn received the uh, district's Democratic Party endorsement, so she will be there as the Democrat. Um, the other two Democrats who didn't get the endorsement, uh, um, Strasburger and Healy, will, I, I guess, show up on the ballot as eyes, independents, and then the other guy's a Republican. No, I, I, I know that. But this is not a primary. This is a general election. So you're going to have your choice of four people, three, three, one Democrat, two independents, and a partridge in a pear tree, okay? Okay. Lou thinks the, a lot of uh, people who go to the polls are going to be very confused. Yeah, you're probably right. What else is new? Oh, you sent me best signs from the Women's March. I saw, let's see, 30 best signs. Who says? Who's picking? <laughs> Here's someone carrying, well, I like this because it's a, it's a takeoff on, you know, resting bitch face, which pisses me off, saying that women... Like this. Here's my resting bitch face. That's just me. <laughs> but only women get that, you know, because women are supposed to be smiling all the time. We're supposed to be sweet. <coughs> and so when a woman is just <coughs> relaxed, <coughs> Neutral, okay? Neutral, it is perceived as a bitch. <clears throat> That's my... This is my neutral face. So, resting bitch face is about as misogynistic a, a concept as any. I know, okay? So I love this. This woman's carrying a sign saying, this is my resisting bitch face. Good for her. Ha! Here's a guy carrying a sign that says, tweet others like you want to be tweeted. <laughs> it's a takeoff on the golden rule, I think. Here's another. 
Mr. President, how long must women wait for liberty? How'd that get in there? What's so special about that? Oh, I like this. Here's a guy. Came for the pierogi, stayed for the resistance. All right, okay, all right. Um, here's a good one. Steel nasty. That's good. That's actually good. Steel, still nasty. Grab them by the midterms. Hashtag blue tsunami. Uh, I don't know. I don't necessarily agree with this. Here's a dog. A dog. I like the dog. Oh, the dog's carrying a sign saying, I want to fertilize his golf course with poop emojis. And we have a call. The oceans are rising and so are we. Hi, caller. Hey, Lynn. John from Greensburg. I just want to uh, tell you that the, uh, well, pro pick should be a given. The, the, you know, do you think? I, I think it's just assumed by everyone that that Hope Hicks is trading uh, sexual favors of one kind or another for her position. I, there's really no other reason for her to have I've that. I've never, position. but I've never, well, I've never heard that. I mean, he's put tons of unqualified uh, people in office, male and female, so, but. Is that, come on, Hope Hicks is just a given. Um, the, but the uh, Michael Wolf is actually inferring his, in his book, and again, there's no hard evidence of this, that it's Nikita Haley. That it's Nikki Haley? Nikita Haley. Why do you call her Nikita? For the same reason that right-wingers called uh, Barack Obama Barry and Barack Hussein Obama. I've, I've had it with that. But I don't get Nakata. You mean like Nakata? Long enough that I, from now on, no, I'm not. I'm not. The kid gloves are off. I'm. Th- I'm through being polite and nice. It's Will. It's it's Willard. It's uh, Willard Romney. He wasn't Mitt. Mitchell was his middle name. Willard. We should have been calling him Willard Romney. All right. I'm, okay. I've just had enough of it. Okay. So, um, I would find that shocking myself. Frankly, she doesn't strike me as the type. Uh, Hope Hicks does. How do I base this? I don't know. I don't know. I, I don't put beyond the realm of possibility when you, when you look at the fact that various, uh, and, you know, she's, she's of uh, Southeast Asian origin, but just like... Uh, no, but Irish, I mean, you, you can't know, have... Wait, wait, wait. She was John. To, she's essentially been willing to whitewash herself. John. And I'm you, going to use that term. You can't have an affair... If you're not in proximity to, and Nikki Haley is in New York, and 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 Trump is in the White House as he is Hope Hicks. I'm just I'm just telling you what Michael Wolf was inferring. I think Hope Hicks is a given. I think that's a gimme. My goodness, she's a spokesmodel. That's what she is. I'm sorry. I'm I'm through being polite and giving the benefit of the doubt, and I'm worn out on that on that front. Okay, I hear you. All right. Okay, he's stopping everything that'll let him. I know. Yes. <laughs> Did anyone believe for a moment that 
the, the Stormy, Stormy McDaniels. I gotta love that. Oh, I love it too. Stormy. Uh, did they anyone she... doubt that that happened? For, for a no, never. Of course Was not. Was there ever any doubt? Who's inviting her I to the? the wait, I want to know who's inviting her to the State of the Union. I loved the defense where you know there was this letter released. Well, you know, uh, I was not paid by Donald Trump's lawyer, and then it came out that the lawyer had formed an LLC to, to send her right. the check. Right, so, right, right, right. It was like this. You know, this was. You know, the the the, the golf always complained. Well, it depends on the what the definition of is is. You know, but here, as you've seen, they've tossed that to the wind. They have no principles. They're utter hypocrites. Uh, just like when they, well, he didn't use the word, sh- you know, shithole country. He, he used the word shithouse country. I you know. you had Tom Cotton. And I know. It's just beyond belief. It's pathetic. Yeah, it's exactly, it, is, it depends on what the definition of is is. It's the same absurdity. God help us. Yeah, I, like I said, I'm just, I'm sorry. They've worn, they've worn me out. I used to be. The, I understand. I used to be a lot nicer, uh, even, even when it came to getting the benefit of the doubt to, to rather uh, people whose yeah. policies and behavior I, I uh. very much held in contempt, but not anymore. Okay, I hear you, but isn't it. that sad? This is what this destructive monster is just taking us all down. It's not in a positive direction ever. But hey, thank you. Thanks, John. Appreciate thank the call. Bye-bye. Bye. Here's the final uh, sign, which I think is great. I've seen smarter cabinets at Ikea. And speaking of smarter cabinets, did you see that someone is saying that Wilbur Ross, here's another Wilbur, Wilbur Ross, the talking horse, Wilbur Ross, the Commerce Secretary, has fallen asleep in like every cabinet meeting, he like, and not only falls asleep, but drools. And then when he sort of wakes up, he sees there's drool all over, and he wipes it off with his tie. I have to tell you, this is out there from a report. Actually, Maggie Haberman, the New York Times reporter, I think retweeted it, which led, gives some, some weight uh, to it that Wilbur Ross sleeps through cabinet meetings and drools. Uh, yeah, I've seen better cabinets, smarter cabinets at uh, Ikea. David says, this is, goes back to the what I was telling you about Harding and in Birmingham, Alabama. And he says, during their first American tour in 1964, the Beatles learned that they would be playing before a segregated audience in Jacksonville, Florida. They refused and said, desegregate the audience or we ain't playing. And they got their way. I didn't know that. Good for them. And that became a standard condition with all their contracts from then on. Unsegregated audiences only, no matter where they played. They had never heard of such a thing. They were taken by surprise that anyone would do that. Southern venues bitched about it, but went along anyway because... 
And as David, who says the Beatles, groundbreaking in so many ways. Well, they understood their power. You know, if uh, some little indie band was coming through and they said, well, we won't play a, to, a desegrega- to a segregated audience, uh, then they'd say, well, then get lost. But if you're the Beatles, you have power. And good for them for using it. Oh, okay. The story that, there are so many stories that, one that freaked me out over the weekend was this story of this doctor in Kalamazoo, Michigan. You heard about that doctor? He was born in Poland. He, his parents and he came to this country in 1969 when he was five years old. He speaks no Polish. He's been here for, well, 16, from 69. He had a green card. He's married to an American. His children are Americans. And ICE picked him up in Kalamazoo the other day. This is a physician working at a hospital where his wife is a nurse. And they picked him up. Is he harming this country? He was brought here as a child. He has a green card. He speaks accentless English because he's an American in every way. A taxpayer. Everything but citizenship. He just never got around to it. He felt very much an American. And ICE got him because when he was a teenager, he was convicted of two, one was a a teenage kind of things. But But then after he was a teenager, he straightened up. He got a went to college, he went to medical school. He's in jail now. Two misdemeanor convictions 26 years ago and our government now grabbing people like that and locking them up. Do you recognize this country? Do you recognize it? Because I don't. There was a report over the weekend that on a Greyhound bus somewhere in Florida, I forget what, that an ICE agent, there was a picture, ICE agents came onto the Greyhound bus and went up and down the aisle asking to see people's papers. I remember when I first saw a movie and it was set in Europe and, you know, uh, a guy in a uniform said to some scared-looking person, your papers, I want to see your papers. And I remember thinking, what? What is that? And I thought, I, I found out later that you had to carry uh, papers proving you were a citizen of the country. And I thought, my God, 
Well, thank God I live in the United States. You don't have to carry papers in the United States of America. You, you don't have to worry about being stopped when you're just going about your business and asked for your papers. And if you can't find them, you're grabbed and handcuffed and thrown in a jail. That's what happens in Nazi Germany. That doesn't happen in the United States of America. And it is happening over and over and over again. Where is the outrage? The thing on the bus, this guy, all these other, there was another case, what, in Michigan, that man who had, he had five children or something, he's grabbed after being here for 30 years. I would imagine you have to be a real son of a bitch to be a nice agent. There's no way you can be a nice person. That's a job for sadistic, that's a job for a guy who would have been SS in Nazi Germany. I'm sorry, I believe that. Who would want to get up in the morning and go out and ruin people's lives? For a paycheck. Ugh. I see my time is up. Okay, guys, I guess that was it. Uh, see you tomorrow. Susan will be joining us. Maybe she's a little less cranky. I don't know. Bye. Lynn Cullen Live. Monday through Friday from 10 a.m. to 11 a.m. and archived at pghcitypaper.com. The opinions expressed on Lynn Cullen Live are those of the host and do not necessarily reflect the viewpoints of Pittsburgh City Paper or its advertisers.